Welcome to Catholic Stuff You Should Know, a J10 initiative. Hey, welcome to the podcast. Catholic Stuff You Should Know here with Nathan Goble. This topic's going to be kind of lame. I'm I'm usually about four years behind the curve on most bands, so um, I didn't even hear about Mbop until like (laughs) 2001, but that was amazing. Um, so if you've already been listening to the black keys for a long time, um, kudos to you. So I'd say you're only about a year or two behind on that one. So you're not too bad. Yeah. You're probably wrong. They probably put out like four albums in England or something. Well, usually Nathan on topics like this, I'm nervous about you falling asleep. Uh, I've never fallen asleep. You were snoring last time, but, uh, um, I'm worried about me falling asleep as well because it's been like 105 degrees the last couple days. Now it's starting to rain. Our state is on fire. And uh, we had actually a couple people on uh, Facebook ask if we were doing all right. We're doing just fine here in Boulder, Nathan, Colorado. Nathan's always in fuego, but uh, in fuego, of, in fuego. Uh, but the rest of us are uh, are doing good. It's kind of crazy. The, the closest fire is just right up the way. So keep praying for the good people of uh, the uh, People's Republic of Boulder, Colorado. That's right. As we say, fifty-four square miles surrounded by reality. But to the topic, Nathan. To the, to the back cave. <laughs> He's laying down on the couch, getting comfy over there. <laughs> I'm gonna pull my best Caesar impression. There you go. Now, uh, the topic. Speaking of Caesar, uh, your good friend Charles Chaput, Charlie, Archbishop of Philly, wrote a book, "Render Unto Caesar," uh-huh. which was a big hitter. Did you read it? Um, <laughs> that's what I that's a funny oh. question. Um, I have read parts of it. Um, I think I got maybe halfway through, and then. School started and I lost interest. So school, yeah, that's good. Blame it on all the schoolwork you were doing. This, yeah, come on. Now um, that book was a significant one, and uh, the topics and the things that he's dealing with that are what we're going to talk about today. Oh wow! So the topic, well, I haven't really decided what the topic. It's either going to be called religion and, de- and democracy, or Alex Tocqueville, Alex de Tocqueville, or the separation of church and state. Okay, which are kind of tied up together. Sure. So we'll start with the latter. Separation of church and state. Nathan, let's say I'm... Um, I don't even know why I'm wearing headphones, because right now the, the sound's not coming Number two through. is not working for us. Okay. So a uh, Protestant walks up to you and says, church and state, that's a great thing, but that's a Protestant convention. If it was you Catholics, you'd have the altar and the throne, the king and the pope, because you guys are all about authority and about monarchy. Mm-hmm. So we're lucky to live in a country, but why is it you Catholics now are all of a sudden praising church and state separation? Go. Oh, well, I mean, I think the first first thing I'd point to is the fact that uh, this country was founded by puritanical Protestants, um, most of whom were rather uh, against much of Catholic belief. Um, they came from England, which has a very long history with the church, and they're very happy that they have uh, put a definitive break between themselves and, you know, Holy Rome. Um and so Catholics were a large minority for most of the America's founding. Um, so in a way, um, it's interesting that the founders, the, the writers of the Constitution, included uh, something like religious liberty that were, we can honestly say, yeah, we've agreed with that for a long time. Right. Um, but what would you say if someone said that this separation of church and state itself is not a Catholic thing. 
This is a Protestant thing. So why are you Catholics now praising it? Because like the reason we're talking about talking about this is because of the Supreme Court's dis- recent mm-hmm. decision uh, regarding um, the uh, Health Care Act, aka Obamacare, and with that specifically is the Health and Human Services mandate. Uh, requiring uh, you as Father Nathan and myself as Father John to pay for contraception for our employees, which will now be mandated. Right. Crazy. Um, But they would say, well, why do Catholics even care about uh, the separation of church and state? Because it's not a Catholic uh, reality. It's a Protestant thing. That's what they would say. Hmm. I've had people say this to me. And then I would say, well, riddle me this. Is St. Augustine a Catholic bishop or was he a Protestant? Because St. Augustine laid all this out in the fourth century. So we got to go... And say, first off, when people make the claim that this whole separation of church and state thing is not Catholic and Catholics are all about uh, monarchy and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, uh, theocracy or something like that, uh, we say, well, that's crazy. This has been in the Catholic tradition from the very kind of inception. They're dealing with the Roman Empire uh, and they're dealing with these questions. So that's kind of just a false little myth. We want to, we're myth busters, Nathan. That's the, part of our job. I want to be the guy with the cool beard. <laughs> you could be that guy. The, uh, well, your beard, you know. It wasn't. It was pretty cool. All right. Do you miss the beard? Yeah, every once in a while. I have to shave every other day, and it feels so emasculating. And the mullet's gone. The mullet's gone. Samson is in mourning. <laughs> Samson. Yeah, the, uh, sorry, the heat's kicking us in here, and we're going to be gone in about four minutes here. So, we got to keep moving. The uh, separation of church and state laid out by the by the founders of the, uh, of the Constitution and of our country, though most of which, like you said, were Puritan- and, uh, or deists, or deists, not deists. just not just merely the majority were deists, so they weren't even Christian. <clears throat> but uh, they glimpsed something very, very important and very significant. But they didn't just kind of make it up in the, uh, you know, in the 18th century. Uh, it was something that was kind of steeped into the tradition uh, of the church, though they weren't Catholics. Now, there's one guy who signed the Declaration of Independence. One Catholic, did you know that? John Carroll. John Carroll. Bam! History buff. Look at you, Catholic school kid. Me, public school, we didn't learn anything. I wasn't stuff. a Catholic school kid. Oh, you weren't? Oh, okay. No. I cried I. in the bathtub whenever my parents asked me to go to Catholic school. I was like 15. <laughs> no, I was like I was like seven or eight. No, nah, he was 18. The uh, <laughs> so it's a uh, so that's the first thing is to say that this is a fundamentally Catholic understanding that we're dealing with the separation of church and state, uh, and it's a very healthy thing. Now you mentioned Alexis de Tocqueville at the beginning. Yes. Okay. <laughs> Have you read him? No, I believe he has a famous book called Democracy in America. <laughs> that is that is correct, Professor Nigel. The, yes, uh, I, I haven't gotten around to that one. <laughs> Sorry. He just wants to be charming when he hasn't read anything, and he's kind of bored by the topic. Now, the next question is, Nathan, that Tocqueville lays out his theory, and my buddy J.D. Flynn just gave a talk on this, because the USCCB, the Conference of Bishops, just had this fourth fortnight for freedom, and today is July 3rd. Tomorrow it's going to end. Basically, what they were asking for is two weeks of prayer, fasting, uh, and, and discussion around the nature of a religious liberty. Mm-hmm. Okay, Now, de Tocqueville is key because de Tocqueville is a Frenchman who comes to the United States uh, and is kind of discovering um, in a very specific way the uniqueness of the religious foundation of the country, but also of the separation. And coming from France, where it's just kind of never, ever really mm. taken place, uh, it was a very profound and unique thing. And what he found was that there's there's several things that religion does to to democracy. So it's not just we got to separate church and state so that the government can do their own thing and religion can't kind of meddle in it. But there's actually something that right. religion does. And that's what I'd like to briefly talk about, is that it elevates democracy in a sense. Now, in Plato's understanding of democracy, where does he place it? Pretty low. Pretty, Pretty low. low on the totem pole. Second to worst, right? Democracy? 
The, is that the last one? Uh, the tyrant, whatever he calls that. Yeah. So basically, in Plato's understanding of the political systems, the greatest is... Philosopher kings. Philosopher kings. Or queens. Or, or queens. And uh, the last is the tyrant. So the failed monarch. Yes. Uh, but the second to worst yeah. is democracy. Yes. And uh, someone was asking me about this, and there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of space for conversation about this within the Catholic Church because the the political systems and the political structure we're talking about, Christ doesn't kind of lay this out. We're living in uh, what Balthazar would say the new eon of Christ between the incarnation and uh, the end of times, but we're still living in the, in the world. The kingdom of the kingdom is here, but the kingdom doesn't have a specific political structure that is laid out, altar throne or something like that. Uh, and so we're kind of, there's a lot of space and a lot of understandings. Jacques Maritain lays out different things in the first half of the century. John Courtney Murray does a lot around the time of the Second Vatican Council. But um, our friend Alexis de Tocqueville is saying that this is the most fitting way for democracy to thrive because of the way that religion can elevate and strengthen democracy. But also, this is the best way for religion to be, to flourish as well, where the government permits it to exercise mm. itself, uh, but not to uh, be kind of infiltrated by uh, government control. Now, um, Winston Churchill has that great line also. You remember that where he says, uh, democracy is the worst form of government we've ever tried, except for every other one we've tried. Mm. And uh, there's something true about that. And so basically what we're asking ourselves is uh, religion is being removed from the public sphere and it's being removed. The whole tension of, of church and state is being removed because religion is just being marginalized and people are becoming less religious. What's that going to do to our culture? Well, what Plato says is that the one of the key problems with democracy is that uh, it, it inhibits something called flat soulness. Flat soulness is what he says. Mm-hmm. Basically, which means that democracy, where you have the demos, the people who are governing, and kind of the uh, radical focus on equality, that you start to radically focus on equality in all things. So everything becomes equal, right? Everything is equal. I like Lady Gaga. You listen to Vivaldi. It's pretty much equal. It's my experience and your experience of beauty. And what you lose is the transcendentals. You lose truth, goodness, and beauty. And um, the culture gets reduced and reduced and reduced. And that's precisely what's happening in our midst, is we're living in a, in a time of radical sociological change, and uh, we're losing goodness, we're losing beauty, and we're losing truth. And uh, people are just becoming flat, right? They go to the Mac store, they get their new piece of technology. I want the iPhone 4, Right. And this is going to make my life better. Now, iPhone 4 is sweet. But technology gives us the false understanding that things are better and that the quality of life is better. But technology does not equate, is not a transcendental, right? And it cannot be substituted for the experience of beauty or goodness or truth. And even you think about video games, you know, like when we were playing video games back in the day, they were so crappy that we would have to go outside and play sports because it was like this, you know. You can only play Duck Hunt for so long. That's know? right. No offense for those of you. But... uh and you could conquer you could conquer Mario Brothers you know pretty quickly. And then you go back outside and build a fort. But nowadays, kids are playing Black Ops. You know, yep. Call of Duty Black Ops. It's like they're never going to get tired of this. These, these new games now that are out. And I don't want to get on this kind of tangent about technology. But yep. basically, what's happening is I think the technological phenomenon is a sign of the flat soulness of our democratic society that we're living in. And we're trying to impose democracy on the whole world. That's a whole other topic. But we're not going to go down that. Okay. Does that make sense? That's a lot to take in. That's pretty impressive. This is what happens when I don't prepare, just off the cuff. Well, I mean, you listen to the talk from J.D. Flynn. You actually did something for uh, uh, the Fortnite for Freedom as opposed to just, you know, making banners or something like that. Basically, what we're saying is that 
if we lose religion, democracy is going to get really ugly really fast. And it's going to culturally take the form of this flatness. But what J.D. was also saying was that the way that government starts to operate, it will replace something. You know, if, if religion draws us into these higher ideals and it gives us, it also gives us a common ground to operate on. It gives us a sense of the common good. And what J.D.'s arguing is that what's replacing it, and we're seeing this right now in our government and in legislation, is utilitarianism and pragmatism, is what he argues. Mm-hmm. Which is, or positivism, sorry. So utilitarianism is to say, basically, we try and calculate what will be the most pleasurable experience for most people, and uh, that's about it, mm-hmm. you know? If that means, Nathan Goble, you and I live here with another guy, and the two of us decide that what would be most pleasing for us is if Nathan, who we can't stand, sleeps outside, then the, the what we ought to do is have Nathan sleep outside, because mm-hmm. that's two to one. Sorry, pal. Does that make sense? Yeah. Positivism just says, whatever we enact is law. Yep. And so it's it's just a fundamentally dangerous area and dangerous way that we're going. And I'll give you an example of that uh, before I let you go kind of take a nap and, you know, have a cup of coffee before we do another one here. You got that look. You have that glazed look in your eyes. I know you. I never <laughs> fall asleep in these things. I, I know. Someone can attest fall- to the fact that I've never fallen asleep I would rather. in a movie, even <laughs> however bad it was. I've stayed awake through a lot of crappy movies, and and this topic <laughs> is not a crappy topic. It's just... I'm realizing how little I know about religious liberty. So, well, here's a here's a found of a uh, an interesting point, and this is this is a good point that JD made. I hope this will you find this kind of fascinating. But yeah. the language of our president and of the government is shifting. They're not speaking about man's in, inherent right to religious freedom. What they're now speaking of, if you pay attention closely, especially to President Obama, what they're saying is man's freedom for worship okay yes interesting what is happening is that religious liberty is being reduced to the freedom to worship yep which means sunday from 10 to 11 i go worship yep but i try and step out of that into the public square Mm -hmm. good night that is a scary scary reality well and the same thing happened in uh the soviet union i believe that uh before the before after the revolution they got to a point where they said with communism where they were saying no 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 we're not saying that you can't be you can't be religious we're just saying that that the time for religion is for piety and so piety occurs in those times but in the in the in the public sphere out in the open you know you can't have propaganda you can't have people speaking out against the government because that needs to be reserved for worship and then eventually it was you know what don't even talk about don't even talk about the government or what's happening in the secular age like and applying the gospel beliefs just perform your ritualistic ceremonies effectively they're just making them into like little witch doctors right and you know like do your little you know wizardry and uh and meanwhile, we'll run the country. Right. And that's what's happening. And uh, J.D. kept referring to that as a soft persecution. It's so subtle that yes. we're not even paying attention to it. We're not, yeah. It's not even affecting us. We're just kind of going along with it. But I think the two things to kind of summarize this is to say that the flat-souledness of the democratic world that, hap- that sets in when, when a country kind of abandons its religious roots is exactly what we're experiencing. We're just becoming numb. We're becoming workaholics. Mm-hmm. We're living in a technocratic world. We're obsessed with that, with activity. We've lost the very values that underpin a religious society. We've lost the culture that actually cultivates and and forms people in that. And the formation we're getting is very, very weak. 
And what's happening in light of that is that the government is now being uh, infused by different philosophical presuppositions, namely utilitarianism, which says if the majority of Americans want contraception and think that contraception is health care, and even the majority of Catholics, as the uh, sure. uh, Sibeli told us, the HHS lady, um, it, the majority of Catholics want this, so we should have it, right? No conversation about the common good, about uh, truth, or even about man's... Uh, moral expression of his religious needs or religious desires Mm -hmm. it's just that's what people want therefore that's what's good problem yeah we in our in our moral theology class he was our teacher was trying to caution us against simply making the obamacare um hhs mandate into a issue of of contraception alone um because we'll lose that battle um, you know, it, it goes back to the slavery, you know, the dilemma of, well, we, we kind of know this is probably wrong, but, um, sure works. And, uh, I make money off of it and, you know, it makes my life easier and, and everything. And then there was, you know, the, these minorities who were saying, no, this isn't good. And then eventually, you know, enough people got into power and, you know, overturned it. But he's saying, if this is a question of religious liberty, this means this is a constitutional issue as well as a faith issue, and this means just as much to um, the Southern Baptists or to um, you know another religious Muslims, group that yeah. that at some point um, your freedoms will be taken away as well. Um, so it's not just like we're we're putting on our fancy vestments and you know we're shouting from the rooftops, quit contracepting. Well, that's that's a different discussion. Um, but if this is a question of religious liberty, then uh, as before with Catholics, it's uh, um, well the 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 government's not adequately representing not just Catholics but even the Constitution. Right. So and and uh, one of the problems with that is that you know uh, non-Catholic Christians want they they want to be rid of hierarchy. You know, hierarchy, we need hierarchy to be gone. And it's like, okay, you do that, but you can't, you're not organized in any way. Every man's for himself. Every house church is to himself. I mean, uh, Protestant Christianity, which 40 years ago was denominational, Lutrans, as my grandmother would say, Methodists, you know, you got at least major denominations, then it collapsed into the megachurch phenomenon. Now it's collapsing mm-hmm. into the house church, emerging church. So it's just like becoming more and more disbanded, the, the ecclesial dimension of ecclesial communities, which we call Protestant, um, are, are kind of disappearing. So anyways, it's a crazy time. It's a depressing topic. We got to keep praying for it because the Supreme court, uh, decision was pretty devastating and we need healthcare reform, but we also desperately need religious liberty. And we got a lot of people talking Mm -hmm. and we got a lot of religious people who are pretty asleep and numb and lukewarm as this is unfolding. So there's our doomsday uh, prophecy. Bom, bom, bom. Bom, bom, bom. All right, Catholic Stuff Podcast at gmail.com. That's it. Thanks for listening. Cheers. <laughs>